everyone. Welcome to the Mass Construction Show. I'm your host, Joe Kelly, and this is a podcast about all things construction in Massachusetts and beyond. Today's podcast is a conversation between myself and David Tupin, a junior in the Wentworth CM program, whom I've met on a few occasions in the past. Dave reached out to me in regards to his career and what the options are out there to lead him into what I would kind of call his passion of constructing sustainable buildings. This conversation is completely unscripted. No prep was done ahead of time. Literally, we were talking and then pushed record because the conversation seemed useful enough to share. So if you're at a company that's hiring or you're thinking about your own career path, listen up. There might be a nugget in there for you. Enjoy the show. I'm back. One more thing. Bear with us. Pulled out a bunch of clips, so this is a bit cut up. And uh, just wanted to keep it relatively career-specific, so we pulled out our tangents. Enjoy the show. In your email, you'd like to do the sustainability Mm -hmm. and planning or, like, design, right? But Mm -hmm. the problem is... Not with what I'm going to school for now. Not my major. Yeah. And now you, like... You don't want to do design, though, right? No, I don't think I have the niche for, um, lack of better terms, just designing things like an architect. I mm-hmm. don't have that type of mentality, or that's not my mindset. I, I guess I think I'm more cut and dry in terms of like what CM does in terms of delivering a project on time, under budget, and just get it built. And I like seeing things getting built, and I like seeing it going from scratch all the way up. Okay. Are you more like the project manager? Like, Do you like lists? Do you like... I'm very organized. Um, I think I can blame that directly on my Army career and what I did with within the Army. Um, I was pretty much, um, I don't want to say solo, but a lot of the times I did a lot of research and asking as many people as I can to get answers, and I just wrote everything down. And set, once I started doing that, organization was probably my best friend. And list, I love okay. list, yeah. So. All right, so you, you more or less, you, throw, you, you, you thrived in... Like the military setting, like with the structure. And yeah, all that. Okay. structure was good to me. Um, I think uh, kind of like most things, uh, it does have its cap in terms of like where you can think you if you diverted or if it went this way or went that way, or you could do better, could have been worse, and vice versa. So. Yeah, I mean it crushes creativity, right? Mm-hmm. Like, well, yeah. ah, well, with, it, it, it you, has within, you yeah. can have it within the system, mm-hmm. but the creativity can't be that much that it goes outside of the system. Yeah, then you, yeah, then you're lost. And what was that? That was what four years? I think four and a half years. Yeah, four and a half years. Straight out of high school. So it's funny. I when you were talking about like um, the migraines and like the hives, and you uh-huh. didn't have them down south. Nope. No, nope. the south was good to me. And so. you had them up here. Yeah. It's funny. There's um, there's a book called When the Body Says No uh-huh. by Gabor Mate, and it okay. it talks about how. Um, essentially what it says is this sounds most people that hear this is like all right that sounds like you're a nut (laughs) yeah um that your body can give you pain Mm -hmm. like can give you migraines back pain stuff like that Mm -hmm. if you're stressed right and and what it does and a lot of people understand that right stress can definitely be like oh yeah i was been having a bad day at work like my my neck's tight or my Mm -hmm. back's tight or whatever right and the guy's theory is that it's your body's way of diverting you from thinking about the things that you don't want to be thinking about. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, see where you're going with that. It, yeah. And he likens it to eczema, migraines, back pain, like a whole host of things, mm. right? 
And I almost wonder if, well, you said you were thriving in that military setting, mm -hmm. right? Where if, and you didn't have any other issues when you were down there, mm -hmm. like that might make sense, right? Like, yeah. hey, I'm at Lack some place stress, yeah. that I don't have the stress, I don't have the pressure, I just have to, these are the rules, I know the rules, yeah. I can follow them and I can execute and I'm awesome at that, right? Yep. Like, yep. I have my rules, A through Z. It, it's funny that you said that because, uh, when I first got in, um, obviously I was listening to NCOs, doing everything that was totally directed to me, and it got to a point to where, um, well, long story short, um, I was in, I was at a battalion level S four, which is essentially looking over the whole company for the logistics. And as a lower enlisted person, I don't really have a essential role. There's nothing I can really do besides um, the simple tasks that, like my NCO or my captains would tell me to do, and. I'd go execute, bring it back, and just wait for the next thing to come. Mm -hmm. um, and eventually, I got thrown into various positions, um, like the arms room, um, which pretty much you manage all of the weapons for the entire company. Mm -hmm. And I had no background training on it. I didn't take my class until probably six months afterwards. I got thrown into it. And um, there was a few issues with the arms room itself. I got thrown into it, um, and it was just me. So that's when I started reaching out to everybody, like the chief warrant right. officer who did all the maintenance. I talked to him to see what he would tell me started doing some research and I started visiting other arms rooms to see what they had in place so that I can mitigate it and just mm. continue rolling straight through. Um, so I started reaching out and absorbing as much as I could and implementing things that I've seen. And from there, people started giving me more trust and they kind of give me a little bit more respect and eventually I earned my place. Mm. So, and it's interesting to say that um, in the arms room, as a primary armorer, you have um, authority over rank, except for your battalion commander and your brigade commander. So I could tell someone who's way ranks above me. Uh, now, at the time I was an E2, E3, I could tell someone who was an E7 and an E8 that was not in a first sergeant position, like, oh, you're dirty, your weapon's dirty, I'm not taking this, you have to go clean and then bring it back. Ah. <laughs> so, and I kind of liked that deep down inside. It was nice to have that type of power, but I mean, I was obviously, I was very um, respectable with it. Yeah. But once I, once you earn your place, especially in the military, I think it's interesting because they start to give you the freedom to kind of go and do how you think or how you see fit in order to get it done. Like, all they care about is if you get it done, as long as you're not breaking any rules and it's just getting done mm -hmm. and it's getting done the right way, um, then they have your way with it, so... Funny tying back to what you were saying earlier, it's like you like to do research mm -hmm. and then put systems in place to do it, mm -hmm. right? Because you're saying you were saying earlier, just like the sustainability, you're learning as much about it as possible, mm -hmm. and then you want to go execute it. Went to the arms room, yeah, don't know anything about it, learn as much about it as possible, put the systems, mm -hmm. and then execute. It's like that much. It's funny, I sat in on a Myers Briggs test Greg, mm -hmm. the whole group was done at the same time you familiar with it at all i'm not yeah. so just i'd probably get scolded for saying this to me what it was what i'd call like a personality test okay right um and it was amazing when it was done like it was frightening <laughs> oh yeah probably just the results yeah how exact it was yeah i was reading i was like we've we've taken a handful of personality tests even in the army and i think we have a site class in uh, wentworth and they, you kind of take a very generic version of it but mm -hmm. it kind of it, it tests uh, what you think of yourself versus what your peers think. Cause you're supposed to send it out to five to ten people that you know and awesome. see how they respond, and you yeah. kind of compare the two. Well, they call it, what, the 360 degree or something? Um, well, no, not, it's not a true 360 because it's yeah, not people above and below you, but I know what you mean. Yeah. yeah. Um, what The reason I was bringing that up was, so I was in a room of all construction people, 
and I think there's probably 15 or 18 people in the room. Mm-hmm. All but three were the same personality type. Right, so they're like, if you're this one, this one, or this one, go in this, go over to this table. If you're this, this, or this, go to that table, and like spread out the room. Mm-hmm. 80, 90% of the room were all the same type person. And then I happened to be, because I, I don't fit that mold uh-huh. <laughs> by the evidence of what I'm doing now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there was me and two other people one of them was like an architect who moved into the construction business and the other was like um, a Finnish carpenter who then went in to become like a project manager mm-hmm. or a superintendent. Everybody else was in that list. And when you looked at that personality type, right? I mean, it was in that table. They were like, you like lists. You work with, with deadlines. Yeah. You want to have a structure. You want this. And, and the guy saying in the room, he goes, this happens every time we have construction companies. That's why you're a project manager, yeah. because that's what you want. You like spreadsheets. You like order. You want to know what you're going to do tomorrow. Like yeah. I was in the thing in the group where they were like, I like not knowing what I'm going to do tomorrow, because mm-hmm. I don't like that. Yeah, the same repeat, repeating. Yeah, type of you know, uh, not like one's right or wrong, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess that's a good sign that you're at least seeing that, like mm-hmm. for yourself. So it's probably not a bad role you're going into right and to continue about the military thing so right after that not to keep dwelling on it but uh kind of after that happened i was there for about a year and a half and then finally somebody was going to replace me because at the time um an e6 um supply sergeant at the role which is pretty much a logistics manager for your company um he was going to be uh switching to a new unit so there was a vacancy and they wanted someone to fill it so instead of pulling someone from the outside in they're like let's have tubin go ahead and take care of it, see how he can handle it. And I had about a three to four week uh, layover or um, I forgot what we called it. I think it was like a change of seat or something like that. But regardless, so he, in that month period, he was trying to show me everything that he knew. And I was just taking notes and I was literally following around, chasing around. And Mm. I like learning that way because like you said, it's it's calculated, it's already there, it's in place and it works and it's not inefficient. Mm. So I enjoyed that type of... um, instruction so once he gave that to me it was kind of just me at that point and obviously at the time i was at e4 so i was filling an e6 role which is fairly well um mm. and there was some growing pains like any other career um and you're still what only 19 or 20 right? at that time i was 20 yeah yeah and um so i was continuously learning and talking out and i there's there were six companies in the entire battalion so there was probably about eight supply sergeants throughout and then at the uh, battalion S4 level where I started there was like the senior level for the entire company and then a property book officer who managed the entire property book for the entire company so in terms of networking we all had a very good relationship to where we it was we were approachable and you can go and ask questions and then it got to a point to where I was able to see like something that made a little bit more sense so I started changing it and changing it and changing it and then in the long run right before I ended up getting out I created different type of trackers I implemented this implemented that and it was funny because once the NCO who came to replace me at the time who was also an E7 and replacing an E5 yeah he said his first fear was that he was going to be taking something over that was completely jacked up and that he was going to have to work his butt off for the next to get it two three four five months to get it back up and he's like this is the first time in 
he's like, I can rarely even say this, but I've never had to go to a new supply room and not have to do any work. And I made everything very... Um, repeatable. Yeah, repeatable, low level. And it was something that I could show you this and I organized it well on the desktop because he was just taking the desktop and uh, I was like, it's right there. And I saved everything, wrote everything down. I even had a whiteboard behind my desk and everything that was weekly, I'd write a list next to it. Like you have to do this every week and monthly, you have to do this every month. I'd pre-schedule ahead for like two, three months in advance. And see, like, I need you. Planning. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I need you because I am so scared. Like if you looked at the desktop on my laptop, <laughs> it's like the fucking bomb went off. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. people would be like, what? Like how do you even know where anything is? Like I don't, I don't know. I, I definitely... I actually have a list amongst mm -hmm. the piles over here that just says systems. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, this is what I need systems yeah. for. I yeah. can't, I haven't gotten any of them done yet, mm -hmm. but um, some things I'm chipping away. So like, that's a huge value yeah. to someone if you can excel at that. And you know what? I think you're almost better, like going back to like the career path, you're better at a smaller company mm -hmm. if that's your skill set. Because... You're not going to Turner or Skanska mm -hmm. and saying, okay, here's the new system gotcha. we're going to have. Yep. That's not going to work. You you could look at it and have a much better way to do it. You're not changing a international company. Yep, in exactly. Policies and procedures. Mm -hmm. It's just not, not Even at a smaller company, I don't ever expect to get to that point, but it would be nice to wear, for lack of better terms, that maybe my reasoning for this or reasoning that which would cause a change maybe inside the company would be listened to and understood and if people think like yeah that'll actually work it gets implemented i think you'd be surprised right mm -hmm. even as a co-op i worked at a smaller company small uh -huh. little tenant fiddle company and the project managers and senior pms and vps and like mm -hmm. they are all scrambling and they all know they need to have these systems put in place, but it's one of those things where they just don't get around to it. So I could remember as a co-op being like, even me where I'm not that um, like systems oriented, if this mm -hmm. thing's like when you are a go-getter, right? When you first show up and you're young and they give mm -hmm. you something and they say, hey, do this, get, send all these bids, uh, send all the drawings to these three subs for each discipline and send them out and tell them we need numbers by next Thursday mm -hmm. small jobs um, if I went into Excel and like put everything into a spreadsheet and said hey here's the things here's the numbers how they're gonna come in and handed it to the PM mm -hmm. he'd be like this is awesome yep. we're gonna do this on all of them right they're, they're starving for systems even though they because they all start small mm -hmm. and as they're growing the what you can do as a small company, you can't do as a medium-sized company anymore, so they need those systems, but mm -hmm. they just do what they know, yeah. right? Um, that's where our, there was one guy that came on, Andrew Colometta. He started Sterling Construction. And the first day I talked to him about it, I knew he was going to be a success because he was talking to me about purchasing Procore and Sage Mm -hmm. and his cost control systems that he was going to put in place. They didn't have a job yet. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, I'm going to be off on the number here, but Procore will cost you like 40, 60, 80 grand or something, mm -hmm. right? Oh, well, yeah. Nobody, he, they did their first job for $8,000. It was a, a new door frame and switch in a hospital, 
right? The two yeah. guys that started it. They had that job on Procore, okay? Which people in medium size, like doing 100 mil, are like, I don't know if we want to make the investment in Procore. Mm-hmm. He had zero, right? So um, he's the rarity. Most people are doing what I'm doing, which is like, all right, I'll just do spreadsheets for now, and then if I get big enough, then I'll try and put systems in place. It's not the right way to do it. Um, sometimes you have to, just for cost reasons. But um, So I think you'd be surprised. If you went to a smaller company, you would probably have a good chance to be given the equivalent of the arms room. Okay, yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and run with that. Um, back to the sustainability thing, the or your desire to be involved with mm-hmm. sustainability and kind of help make the right choices to build sustainably. Construction is tough because the owner is driving exactly yeah. the ship, mm-hmm. right? I think you're probably more well served to try and like, so Harvard has an entire department dedicated to sustainability mm-hmm. and wellness and healthy buildings and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. If you could look to go to work for them, okay, then you can make an impact gotcha. and be involved. And you might still be low level where you're not making the decisions, but they'd be like, okay, Eventually at some point, we need someone to do research on office petitions and how can we purchase sustainable and healthy you know, office petitions mm. and they need somebody to do that legwork or to do all the buying for them. We need someone to, you know, do procurement on office furniture mm-hmm. and um, get quotes from everybody, tell them these are our standards, do all that legwork in there. Like maybe, you know, in Harvard might be tough. They're kind of like the Cadillac, but mm-hmm. maybe it's a Northeastern, you know, or somebody like that where I would look to try and find which owners are invested in it. Like BP mm-hmm. has someone. There's a, um, I was going to say young woman. She's not young anymore. Uh, <laughs> we're all old now. Um, there's a woman I know, Amber Beard. Um, I could even put you in touch with her. She was director of sustainability at um, Sixth Sense, which is like this global um, like hotel and spa Sounds familiar, Six Sense. I've heard yeah, that before. They're kind of like ultra high end. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many, there's maybe only a couple in the US. They're in Asia mm-hmm. and all over the world. And she's helped quite a few. She was, I don't know what her title was for sustainability at Lendlease. Her mm-hmm. and I worked together. Actually, Lendlease, yeah. small world. I was at Lendlease. Um, Mark Hasso recommended her to me. Gotcha. She interviewed while we were at Merck. And I was like, she's awesome. Like, mm-hmm. And I essentially, uh, I made the recommendation, but like I was the one interviewing her and I was like, hire her. She's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is the Wentworth connection too. Yep. Um, so she'd probably be a good person to chat with. She's working for herself now. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's in that space and she knows a lot of people in that space. And, you know, I, I think that's a possibility. I think you're going to, I think you're still going to struggle on the construction side because mm-hmm. until we see a company that is able to influence owners 
like Turner has Norm Lamond, who's like very well respected, and mm-hmm. you know he really leads the charge and he tries to encourage. From what I hear from the outside, I've only met him, you know, once or twice. Probably wouldn't remember me, but um, you know, he's been doing it for a while and he's involved with a lot. So there's the occasional people that do it within the company, um, mm-hmm. but a lot of times, like you only can do so much because if the owner doesn't want to pay for that and they're not looking to do it, then you're hamstrung. Gotcha. Um, but you could also go to like um, like an Alexandria. Or something I don't know if you're familiar with them they're a um, real estate developer of like predominantly life science like lab buildings and mm-hmm. stuff like that and they seem to be pretty invested in sustainability and trying new things Turner built a building for them and they tested out a floor to do zero waste said on this floor we're gonna have zero waste we just want to do it we don't mm-hmm. care what it costs we just want to see is it possible can we learn uh, they had pre-cut drywall Mm-hmm. came out barcoded um, same thing all the studs cut to length so no cut ends no cut drywall like so I don't know what if they were able to do it um, mm-hmm. I didn't follow up on it but that was a goal and that's what they were willing to pay for so I think you would have to be creative you have how many years left two one on the year left yeah. um, if I was you I would start um, and find a company that's not opposed to you doing this either. I would start um, doing the research, or actually, better yet, seeing you're already doing it, taking the research and sharing that information. Did you see the thing I sent you? Yes, from yesterday. Did yeah. you have a chance to yeah, read, I read it all? all of them? Yeah. So I had no idea that Hydro was leading the way. Yeah, and I didn't even know. I thought there was tidal energy, which I was. I am not too um, educated amongst it, how they work individually. Um, I was thought my first association with hydro was tidal, mm-hmm. and I think they actually are two separate ones. If I'm not mistaken, I'm not entirely sure how hydro. Oh, that's works. a good question. I don't know. It's funny. So I always assumed tidal was like the river, mm-hmm. right? Where they're letting the water back up and the water flow through and just spin gotcha. a wheel and generate the power that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, tidal would be yeah. That was my association with the ocean. In, yeah. Out. Yep. Uh, but yeah, hydro was what? Yeah. Ten times what's no? Yep. Oh, I think it was, it was uh, seven and one and a half. half. Yeah, it was double what yeah. solar was doing. So, yeah. Um, which is impressive. So, if you could do research and mm-hmm. then just start writing and sharing that information, right? Mm-hmm. Especially now with LinkedIn, where it's like. I'm getting between two and 10,000 people looking at a post. Awesome. Some of them, if it's my, if it's like super niche, if I'm doing something mm-hmm. extra nerdy on code or something like that, it gets six or 700 people. Mm-hmm. But even six or 700 people, because I think I'm assuming the algorithm picks up who wants to see it mm-hmm. and they'll shuttle yeah, so the content. Caveat right off of that, I actually, I just took the lead GA exam not too long ago. Um, and I shared the certificates. I've seen people have been doing it, and I tagged Lauren Moltec, who actually taught the class, and I think he works at GBCI up in Canada. Mm-hmm. And he tours all over the United States and teaches the class and gives you, like, the keys to success. So, like, there's no failing it and the way he places it. Mm-hmm. As long as you follow his method uh, to the madness, you're absolutely fine. And I, 
um, wrote a post. I thanked him, and I, I think I tagged USGBC, and it ended up getting like eight eight thousand views. And even I was I was like, first post I share that has anything to do with me, like it's it's an avenue that you could use that'll be benefit because it catch the attention of the right person at the right time. Absolutely. So I mean, you don't know like how much has come my way. Mm-hmm. More than fifty percent of my business comes in through social media. Mm-hmm. Awesome. The amount of guests that I get, mm-hmm. like. So I just, I was telling you, I just recorded with a central craftsman. Mm-hmm. Um, the guy's a YouTube channel with over 500,000 subscribers. And he's emailing, he's emailing me, or somebody on his team's emailing me, mm-hmm. say, hey, you know, would you be interested in doing a podcast together and this and that? Mm-hmm. And it's like, I did some research on him. And, um, and it wasn't just about his subscriber count because... I look at it as if he's not a right fit for the podcast, then uh, I don't want to put him on there because mm-hmm. that, that's kind of an affront to the people listening. Gotcha. Say, oh, you just put him on there because you want this many, he, gotcha. you want all his followers to yeah. see, right? But I looked at it in a lot of why I enjoy the podcast and one of the reasons I started it is like, I love construction and I love that there are so many options within construction and I want people to see that like my career path is all over the place Mm -hmm. right Um, and this is a good one speaking more on the career topic Um, Reed Hoffman was the guy who created LinkedIn Mm -hmm. there we go how's this for it's all all tying together right he had a really good quote when I was listening to him one time and he says it is no longer a career ladder it's a jungle gym so your career is no longer a ladder it's a jungle gym Mm -hmm. right so yeah, and construction's great for that because you could, if you love spreadsheets, you can go be an estimator. Mm-hmm. If you like coordinating things, you know, be a project manager or you, because you, but you like being out in the field, but you don't want to be swinging a hammer, you can be a superintendent. You could be a scheduler. You could create mm-hmm. uh, models. You could, you know, implement technology. If you like dollars and cents, you could do you know, start as a PM and then move into project accountant or CFO. Like, there's so many options mm-hmm. out there, right? Yeah. Um, or you could go and say, I'm going to put on my tool belt and I'll be a working super if you'd like to work with... Like, it's just it, endless. Building inspector. Yep. Right? After eight and a half years of being a superintendent, and I said, I'm going to go be a building inspector. Um, so he really... He made sense, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but... And I forget where I was going as far as the career point goes. But oh, back to the, it was the LinkedIn thing. Mm-hmm. If you start sharing that content that gets you seen by those people, you'll mm-hmm. start, it'll start, what's happening to me will happen to you, right? Mm-hmm. Which is, you won't need to look for people, they'll start to come to you. Yeah, and what's interesting too is speaking of data management, as you start to share each individual thing, LinkedIn's going to pick up on that and they're going to start throwing things onto your newsfeed that are related to them in the same topic. So it's going to kind of get you in the group of, uh, I don't know what to call that atmosphere. Yeah, um, like I hate the term, but like influencer kind of yeah. thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, as of late, I've seen a couple times. Um, it must be that they're testing it out because I've seen other people that I'm connected with. Um, they'll say, "Oh, so and so has an article that's trending in this area." Mm-hmm. There's been twice where I've gotten messages that says your article on this is trending for this hashtag. 
Mm-hmm. And someone actually sent, sent me a screenshot saying, hey, this is pretty cool. I saw that you're trending for this, mm-hmm. right? But the key is that it has to be good, useful content, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's, it's okay every now and again to be like, hey, I passed this. Or I put out like, hey, I'm pretty psyched that I got 10,000 mm-hmm. listens in a short period of time. Yeah. Like, that's great. That's fine. I can do that once in a while. And like, it was also a way to say thanks to everybody that listens because I think it's awesome, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're doing what you're doing with the research and you can then, because this is the hard part, people like to share. They'll read an article and it's interesting. And they'll share it and say, hey, this is a great article mm-hmm. on such and such. The volume of information that's coming at people, it's immense. So mm-hmm. I might, if it's you and I know you well enough and I trust you and you said you liked it, I might read it just for that, right? Mm-hmm. But that's only going to be a few people that do that. Mm-hmm. But if you can take that article and take the time to say, hey, this article about how to write a change order is probably useful for anybody that just graduated and is an mm-hmm. APM. Here's in, in with a screenshot that says... If you did this in an Excel spreadsheet, you're probably saving yourself three hours. I've had to do it myself. Mm-hmm. Boom. Someone looks at that and they're like, ah. They'll instantly check it out, yeah. Yeah, that's helpful. Mm-hmm. I want to do that. Versus if you said, hey, this is a very good, inter- this is an interesting article, change orders and shared it. Like mm-hmm. the difference there, the delta's huge. Yeah, kind of dress it towards your level and those immediately surrounding. Um, like your media context like so my my group like for instance sustainability i think one of the biggest things that um would actually influence a change would be um awareness and i think at my level if i started sharing things that made people a little bit more aware aware of like this or that or oh the water crisis or this or like the whole 10 yards i think as long as people start to get aware especially at our age and with my generation and those currently in school and recent like the new graduates um, I, I definitely think education and awareness is probably the number one thing that will yeah. start to make well, the change. It's, it's where everything starts, right? Like mm-hmm. a lot of the things that are put in place, like my world is NFPA 241. It all started with awareness events. I met with Peter Harrod from Code Red. We had a mutual, a guy that I used to work for, had him on his project. They were being asked for it. The general super told Peter that, hey, you should go talk to Joe about this. Put us in touch. We were talking, and then the two of us essentially ended up taking the show on the road. And we started when I was at the AGC saying, let's have an event. Like, the basics of 241. What is it? Mm -hmm. What is it? Why does it matter? Do I need one to get a permit now? Do I need... What does it have to look like? Who can write one? Like... Mm -hmm. You got to start there, right? And just to kind of highlight that, it's I didn't know too much about it until I listened to your podcast. So even at that level, now that I have an understanding of it, it's something that I'll be like, oh, you have to have this, or you have to have that. Mm-hmm. And, and though, yeah, yeah. And what's that? The thing is, that's all that information is valuable to people. Mm-hmm. So if you save them the trouble where they weren't carrying a cost that they knew they needed to carry. Mm-hmm. By sharing information, you just save them five grand, 
right? Mm -hmm. What's that worth? But I think where people fail is that direction I was going in before, which is just sharing an article, isn't it? You have to do the work of reading it, synthesizing it, screenshotting it. Mm -hmm. And that takes time. Like I was telling you earlier, I put out the podcast and everyone's like, oh, that's awesome that you have a podcast, this and that. Like I've had people messaging me saying, hey, I'm thinking of starting one, you know, would you help me out and whatever? And I usually respond yes, but most of the time there's just not the follow through. Mm -hmm. Because when I tell them, okay, yeah, it's a day and a half a week. And they're like, oh, oh, that's a, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Okay, well... If you don't want to do it in a day and a half a week, I mean, a day and a half a week for an episode, don't do this. And can mm-hmm. I get better and maybe streamline it? And I've been streamlining it to like make it more drag and drop. But mm-hmm. like we talked about earlier, scheduling, sending emails back and forth, right? Yeah. Research. I just can't sit down with a central craftsman without watching his videos, yeah. reading, finding if he's been on other podcasts, spending the hour to listen to his other podcasts that he's been on. Mm-hmm know about him so I can ask him good questions because uh, I feel like I have a long way to go but I feel like the quality of them is good enough at this point right and now hopefully I can continue to get better but if it's not good then you can spend the hour and a half if it's still shit then it's shit yeah. right so yep. um, but if you could do the same thing with where you want to go right mm-hmm. um in five years from now, you'll be thrilled, right? Um, well, I hope so. so. Yeah. No, no, I, you will. Because if people see you as the person that knows this stuff, and the reason you know it is mm-hmm. because you're spending the time that other people are not willing to spend, like I am, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, not that there aren't other people that are doing it. There are other people doing it. But the vast majority of people don't want to spend that time mm-hmm. right but and you have to be willing to look at it is i'm spending all this time and the podcast isn't doing much for me at this mm-hmm. point i'm not making any money off of it right and um but the easy part is i love it and i enjoy it mm-hmm. this is what i want to do so that makes it easier and if you are interested and you're doing that research anyway mm-hmm. if you weren't doing it you're like oh hey i want to be in sustainability i feel feel like it's interesting yeah. I probably wouldn't even bother to sit down with you okay why I bother to sit down with you you went to that event at Wentworth that was after hours mm-hmm. so anybody else could have went home and sat on the sofa and smoked weed or whatever mm-hmm. every other college kid is doing boat, right yeah. you bothered to finish class come back at night to listen to people talk about careers and then when it was over you weren't Okay, I checked the boss so the, so the professor saw me. Now mm-hmm. I'm out the door so I can go have some fun. You stayed there, bothered to talk to everybody, right? And then I see you doing research. We connect on LinkedIn, mm-hmm. right? So that was an effort you made, right? Say, oh, well, I, we talked about it. Say, connect. You bothered to reach out, right? You're bothering to do all the research. You wrote me an email that was probably... Five paragraphs? Yep. And I told you, sorry for the essay, but I feel like it's just enough to get my point across. So So I look at it and say, like, all right, there's someone who is making the effort. I'll give you the time 
all day long, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I this, feel like the instruction now will be so much more beneficial than if I graduated, started working, and then years down the road I started finding this niche or this passion or this drive to actually have a career than rather just go through the steps. Hmm. And uh, kind of like what you said, it's what you want to do, and I think it's tough for a lot of people. And I, I have a handful of friends who right out of high school went to college, got a degree in something general, or thought they thought they would like it, ended up changing their major three, four, five times down the line, and now they're happy or they're doing okay or they're just on a day-to-day basis or happy-ish yeah Yeah, yeah. so I don't want to have that suffer in my life where I feel like I wish or I I don't want to have a regret saying oh I wish I did this or I wish I did that and so part of it now is absorb as much as I I can and when I was in the army one of the first things I learned uh, my NCO told me to um, act like a sponge and soak everything up so from that moment I started doing that and I'm still doing that now and another thing he said is if you if you can become that type of person as a quote-unquote reference or if someone's like oh go ask him or go talk to him he knows about it you, that that right there is your avenue to follow and chase and run with so hopefully yeah. one day I mean, I'll develop that yeah you will and it's not like but um here's the difference right and this is where i i think you will follow through on it just from what you've kind of displayed already Lots of people mistake it as I'm going to go on LinkedIn and I'm going to, you know, share all this stuff, right? Mm -hmm. But without that quality of research, you can't really answer those questions or solve those problems. I still have people now that, like, I'll just get texts from, you know, like, Mm -hmm. hey, this happened to me on this job. Like, what do I got to do for this, right? And that's what I do for a, a living and I get paid for it a lot the majority of the times mm-hmm. but certain people if i have a good enough relationship and they just have a quick thing i'm going to just answer the question for them They're my gotcha. friend, right mm-hmm. um but it's that thing which is you become that's what you're I'm horrible with the military jargon with your uh-huh. superior was telling uh-huh. you right yep. about being that resource mm-hmm. that's critical and a lot of times the people that are texting me to ask ask these questions are people that Nobody else can get a hold of. Mm-hmm. They want to get a hold of them, yep. and they want to be on their radar. And that just happens by being willing to do the work. Mm-hmm. If you're willing to do the work and learn, and you are that resource, then they will come to you. Mm-hmm. Right? What you put into is what you get out of it. Yeah. So. But you have to have, like, I didn't, like get to this place and this uh, i'm sorry if any of this is sounding arrogant i don't mean it to be i just think it's a good lesson mm-hmm. um i didn't get to that position in one year or two years this is mm-hmm. decades well not not quite decades yet, I'm old, <laughs> but like over decades yeah. right uh, probably fast approaching decades um of just being on a job site i remember being as a super right if you can help your subcontractors succeed, mm-hmm. right? They remember that. It's such a win-win because you win, right? Because they're successful, mm-hmm. so your job is successful. And you've helped them by, again, being a resource. They need a question answered because they're being held up and can't do their work. And you can follow through and get them what they need. And that can be on the job, right? Or that can be... In social media, mm-hmm. right? If you solve that person's problem, they remember that, right? And it can come back in like the funniest ways. 
I often look at it as um, you're acquiring capital. Mm-hmm. Okay, and most people hear capital, they think money, right? But, and I think one of the biggest mistakes people coming out of school, sorry, I just want to make sure we're still going. Um, the biggest mistake people come out of school is they'll look at dollars. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm opportunity. I just, somewhere where I can see myself growing in the years, years down the road, like that's what I'd prefer. I'd, uh, but yeah, like like you said, I can most of the people I know, like they're like, oh, I hope I make this type of salary, or that salary. I'm like, good. Like that's if that's what you're you're going for, but maybe you might want to think somewhere else. Or I think about growth because that's all in due time. Like it's, yeah, because if you're look, yeah, you put eight grand in front of the kid graduating, mm-hmm. that can kind of move the needle for you at mm-hmm. at that age. You're like, all right, yeah. that's different, and I'm yeah. looking at. All my raises are based off of bigger numbers, and that's good for my like the exponential effect of salaries, mm-hmm. right? And some people will go to the next place, which is like, what's my career path there? Mm-hmm. But I think it's um, so much more because going back to that Reed Hoffman where it's a jungle gym, mm-hmm. and you're not just a straight ladder up a company anymore. You could, but mm-hmm. it's less and less likely. Um, there's lots of things to look at. Like, what can you learn there that mm-hmm. is unique? Like, I went to work at the billing department. I made, I'm going to say it publicly now, right? So mm-hmm. I made less than half of what I was making as a superintendent when I went over to be a billing Gotcha. Right? Mm-hmm. But... To be able to learn the building code and the zoning code in Boston, pays off in the long run. That that's something that people need, mm-hmm. and most people don't know. Ninety nine percent of the people in our business don't know, don't know how to really get a permit, don't know how to get a CO quickly, mm-hmm. right? Don't know zoning of a piece of property, right? They have to go to outside consultants to get that information. So I look at that as like, okay, that's capital. And then what's the other byproduct? How many people do I get exposed to mm-hmm. by going to 12, between 8 and 12 job sites a day in the city of Boston? Yeah, right? Connections. And if you change the mindset of like, I'm going out and I'm a building official, and like a lot of times people would say I was relatively strict mm-hmm. but at the same time I would help anybody I could say no I'm not letting you do this without because it's not to code and mm-hmm. that's it I know you don't like it and no one's going to notice it but that is what it is but at the same time if you were stuck and hey like I need help trying to get this I'd help anybody mm-hmm. and the same way by that's being a resource for people same way as helping a subcontractor solve their problem later on down the line like you have all of those relationships you have specialty knowledge right these are things that you might never cash in on but Mm -hmm. you have them and they're worth a lot and where it's important is if you're just learning the PM track right Mm -hmm. how many other people are going that track and how many other people know what you know? 
right? So this, and that might be fine. It doesn't mean that you don't mm. do that. If you want to be a PX someday, then, then, then do that, right? But I look at it as what can give me the most options possible, mm-hmm. right? So tomorrow I could go back and be a super if I wanted to. Yeah. I could go back and be a building official. I can work for myself. I can work for a consulting company. I, there's multiple things I could do working for myself even. So I have options, right? Mm-hmm. So I think by, and I only have those options because I accrued non-financial capital, right? Mm-hmm. Um, is the way I kind of look at it. Good. So with, with that being said, I'm curious because this is a question that I've been asking people often, um, mm-hmm. and it kind of has to do with entry-level position, um, um, rotational programs. Shawmut has it. Um, it's when you do, I think, six to eight months or six to ten months, whatever it was, mm-hmm. as an assistant super, and then you go into APM, and then you do estimating. And when I think about that, and I don't like to dwell on the word, but the holistic approach where you're learning the elements of each mm-hmm. thing, you're going to understand how the company rotates in the full 360-degree view. And when you finally decide whichever area you're going to land in, you yeah. know how everyone operates yep. and that alone is already an advantage so i guess what i'm trying to ask is like what's your opinion on it like do you think that's something that is of extreme value and kind of like what you're saying where you learn a lot more and it might it'll be of a benefit yeah the I, road, think, I think it's i like it for two reasons i like it personally because my personality is i want to learn everything mm-hmm. and i can't stay any place too long like i can't do the same thing over and over for too long and i get mm-hmm fancy and I gotta go do something else gotcha. um, so in that sense it's very appealing to me personally but that's mm-hmm. not really what you're asking I don't think so I think I, I understand that there's no directly right answer but it's just yeah, yeah. the opinion that I take yeah. that I'm trying to no, I get absorb you. from it um, so my opinion is I think it's great to get exposed to a lot of things it'd be very interesting easy to, it's a good way if you like learning mm-hmm. it's a great learning experience and if you don't truly know which direction you want to go, I think it's great. Yep. Okay. I know I didn't want to go sit in a cube. Mm-hmm. So I would have enjoyed learning, estimating, and project management. I would have loved it. Mm-hmm. For three months or six months or a year, however long I leave you there. Mm-hmm. But if you had to say to me that I'm going to go sit in a cube and estimate or schedule every single day for the next X number of years, mm-hmm. like... I'll jump out the fucking window. Like, yeah, you know, like, gotcha. that's So, I didn't. I, I think if you don't know mm-hmm. truly where you what path you want, I think it's. Mm-hmm. I think it's so. A great generally, that is one of the two like pinpointed answers that I've been getting. Is if you don't know, that's the best way, and if you don't have a lot of uh, prior experience, mm-hmm. um, they said that's the best way to kind of see how the whole operation works. Um, but yeah, it's just interesting because to play devil's advocate, something that. As students, we think about is in terms of progression within that three-year span, we're always interested as to whether or not it, it, all it is is lateral movements, how that affect your progression or, or if there is even progression and then how long will it take you to get to the level you want to get at once you figure it out as opposed to if you just streamlined it. I get because you're saying if I go the PM track, the rotation takes two years. Mm-hmm. I'm two years into being... Go, moving from an APM to a PM versus you guys did fucking ring around the rosy mm-hmm. while I'm dedicated. Mm-hmm. And yeah, if you know that's what you want, yeah. 
right? Um, the other upside is the personalities, right? Mm -hmm. It's a good way to test run because you might think you want to be an estimator, mm -hmm. but you might show up in that estimating department and Sally is an awful human being and you could never work for her. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. And Billy and scheduling is equally a dick, right? Mm -hmm. And Bud and project management is awesome and you want to go work for Bud because you're going to learn a ton from him by the way he teaches. Mm -hmm. Like, so how do you give advice on that? That's... Yeah. That's tough. One. That's tough. I would say this. Almost a trial and error at that moment. Yeah. And... The, probably the best piece of advice I got out of the gate was by the super that I eventually went to work for. It was the original Millennium Place. Okay. Um, so and now the Millennium Tower. Yep. But this was the first one. They're a New York developer. They came to Boston to build. There were two 40-story high-rises on Boston Common. They're the ones at the Lowe's Theater. Okay, gotcha. Um, yep. Right? And... When I was interviewing at different companies, I'd already co-opted at that place once and they wanted to hire me. And the super that I had worked under, he said, listen, he goes, the company is irrelevant. Okay. And, and I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, when I'm done, I'm going to disagree with that piece a little bit. Uh -huh. Okay. He goes, at the time, it was the biggest job in the city of Boston. He goes, you have the chance to work on the biggest job in the city of Boston. He's like, Never mind what you're going to see, because I was co-oping under Slurry Wall, and I was, so I was going to see Slurry Wall. It was up-down construction. Mm -hmm. It was a movie theater. It was high-end condos, a hotel, a sports club mm -hmm. that had, like, it ended up being a structure to fit all the sports club, but at the time, it had a sports club, a basketball court over a movie theater. So you had to have like an isolation slab. Didn't know that. So you couldn't hear them playing <laughs> yeah. basketball on top of the theater, right? Yeah, makes sense. So like, and it had these um, dampers that looked like car shocks. So mm -hmm. because you were on the common, there's a lot of wind load. So mm -hmm. the tower would be swaying too much. So they had to install these shocks that allowed the building to move just like slow. So like, the, and the truss floor was amazing. So like, mm -hmm. just the construction side of things to learn was awesome opportunity yeah. right get to see that from start to finish and i did i spent mm. over four years there and that i do like to see yeah. seeing something through like that is huge yeah. like slurry wall to punch mm. list that's for mm. four plus years on something like that was amazing right um but he said the people you will meet on this project you can't replace see he had worked at international place Mm -hmm. when he was younger you familiar with international place it's on like atlantic ave it's like a round a rounder shaped high rise and it's got kind of scallop windows on the top either way it's a big high rise on overlooking mm -hmm. the water on atlantic ave and he had experienced that where the people he met there really helped him right mm -hmm. so he goes the amount of interface with the city between the transportation department and public works so we were taking over streets because it was a street that right ran between the two buildings. So we were shutting down the street, taking that, taking sidewalks, putting cranes in the road. Like, so to meet the people at the transportation department and public works and the building department and have all those into, in the fire department, have all those interfaces. To this day, I'm still good friends personally with mm -hmm. 
a guy from the transportation department. And like just meeting those people was so worth it. And he also said, because this is the biggest job and that you could replace this for a big job, right? Mm-hmm. The top stewards from each union are going to be here. Mm-hmm. They are every subcontractor. We're going to have the best subs because it's a big building. They're not going to get mm-hmm. some, you know, ragbag sub, right? You're going to get the best subs and they are going to send their best foreman because it's a huge package. So you're going to meet the best foreman, the best project managers from the best subs throughout the city. You're going to meet all the city agencies. You're going to learn all the life safety systems, smoke control, fire alarm, fire pumps, generators. Like the amount of elevators we had on there was wild, right? Mm-hmm. So um, he's like, don't think about the company. Don't think about the rotation. If you have the chance to work on a project like this, take it. Mm-hmm. I'd look at, um, do you know Stephanie Cropo? Uh no, she probably know. graduated two years ago. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. So maybe you just missed. Um, she went to work for Bond, and she's on the power plant for Harvard up in Brighton. Mm-hmm. And cool. it's a co-gen, mm-hmm. and there's just some really cool stuff happening there. To graduate out of school and go work on that project, that's something on your resume mm-hmm. that nobody's going to have. Yeah. Right? Um, so... I would look at that, and where I disagree with Mike is culture matters, right? It does. So the company does matter in the sense that if it's not a place that fits your personality, probably don't go there. Mm -hmm. If it's to build a Millennium Tower or a casino or something like that, Mm -hmm. and you're like, all right, I'm not going to be here for the long haul. I'm going to be on that job. I'm going to live and breathe that and work 60, 70 hours a week on this thing Mm -hmm. and suck it up and learn. Okay. Mm -hmm. Then maybe, yeah, it doesn't matter, right? I gotcha. um, But so there's that to consider. But that was like Mm -hmm. some really good advice and it it paid dividends. To this day, it pays dividends. Mm -hmm. So it it does seem like Suffolk's getting everything large in the city at the moment. But when they were first started uh, building one Dalton in downtown, I was a freshman at the time and uh, CM Club arranged a site visit to it. And at that time, they just finished, um, I think slurry walls were in and they just started putting the rebar in for pouring, um, I think the elevator pit and the rest of the foundation down there. And uh, it was cool to see that. We got an explanation of it, and then they talked about some of the things that they're going to implement throughout uh, when they start going up and building the superstructure. And then just this past, I think it was not this past semester, um, it was spring semester, we went back and we got to go up to the, I think, the 58th floor, Mm -hmm. see it all raw bones. And uh, we actually had to wait until they put the last window in in order to go up there. And we rode the, uh, um, the hoist all the way up to the top. And just even that, just that experience alone is just like, I can't even imagine doing this every day. Like, that would be awesome. And yeah. so it's just cool. And at the same time, it's a, you gain a huge respect for the systems in place and the level of detail and how hard people work to actually get that done. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I think going back, I think you got to go one or two routes. You got to either look for a place like an owner side that's willing if you want to try and get that sustainability mm-hmm. tracked right away um if not 
learn the other skills, the project management skills or whatever you're interested in. Mm-hmm. With the idea of creating content at the same time that you hopefully can cash in five years from now. Gotcha. Because otherwise you're gonna yeah no that that completely completely makes sense yeah because um, yeah. I I definitely want it in with respect to the traditional um, approaches in uh, what you'd be doing I want to experience that I would go to a regular DC do three to five years and then amongst that time that's when I'll probably start to develop like oh if you did this differently it would help out and then from there it would probably sprout and I'd be able to do something like that okay this one's gonna be short did you like it yes no did you like just listening in on a a random conversation or the answer is no and please don't ever do that again we out we out we out